now they go wide and they flick it over to Green. So a foot race here. Harvey showing her the touchline. So Elia Green, can she do it? Green! Elia Green! Oh, what a try! Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Green and Gold Netball Show. I'm Netball Reg. We're going to talk about the uh, Queensland Firebirds for the next hour, shall we? No, no. Okay, now let's rein, let's rein this back in. Green and Gold Rugby Show, everyone. Thanks for listening to us again, whether you're on the podcast or part of the Eon Sports Radio Network. Whatever it is, we thank you for joining us. Uh, and, and the us that would like to really thanks for joining us is, is me, Rugby Reg, and Matt Rowley. How are you, Matt? Good, mate. Hugh Cavill, how are you? I'm, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, the, the Firebirds, they, they got up a, a rare moment of sporting glory for Queensland this year, so it's nice you guys had something, I suppose. We are taking all and sundry, and what an epic performance by the, by the ladies there, but we are going to focus on rugby here for the next uh, 50 minutes or so, and uh, there is a hell of a lot to talk about. Before I get into it, though, guys, uh, I don't know if you saw this, I, we're not going to talk netball, but I do want to talk about the L word here, and this is league, and, and rugby league just had a heritage round last weekend, which is basically the players where Wearing, uh, throwback jerseys. I think a few of them maybe grew some dodgy moustaches, but uh, but I wanted to ask you guys, I'm going to ask you first, Matt, if rugby had a retro round, a throwback round, what would you want to see in it? Uh, I'd like to see it sponsored by uh, KB in um, sort of those, what is it, like iron tins, you know, where you've, where you've got to kind of punch a hole in it, um, those yeah. big ones. That, that, I think Act- that would bring it all back. Actual sharp edges to the, to the lip of the can. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So you know, if, to turn them into projectiles is that they're pretty mean. <laughs> um, look, if I had to, but to be more rugby focused for a minute, though. And oh, but by the way, the reason why that was in my mind was obviously we've got some big uh, club at rugby coming up this weekend, and so a KB on the sideline would go down quite nicely there. Um, but yeah, to be more serious, I don't know. Look, rucking, you know. Um, yeah. And I don't think any of us miss the sight of, you know, 20 stitches in somebody's head. So you want to be sensible about it. But, you know, the fast ball that Ruck used, you know, rucking used to, used to generate versus this stuff now where, you know, just all this holding on that goes on. So, uh, yeah, a little bit of rucking would be nice to see again. But also as a player, I mean, how many times would you finish the game? And Hugh, you're probably our most recent player. You're still playing. Do you get ruck marks these days? I mean, I used to finish games with a, a checkerboard on my back and, you know, it was like a, a badge of honour. But these days, do you even get that? No, no. It's it's one of those things that even subbies, even someone pretends to ruck for a second, you get even the illusion. Then the revs are so hard on it because it is pretty – it's hard to be subtle. Um, yes. so especially in, 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 uh, in a fourth grade game where, uh, yeah, that um, – the riffs are pretty hard in it, so no, rucking's a pretty automatic card these days. Uh, whether right. you, whether you look at it as a good thing or a bad thing, but in fourth grade, it could, yeah, I can imagine it could get pretty rough in those subby sort of environments. Yeah, indeed. Look, I, I've got to jump in there and, and Matt on um, uh, piggyback the back of yours because you know ordinarily as a Queensland fan, what would say is Arvo Rugby at Ballymore um, as a great throwback, but we're going to get that this weekend with the Club Rugby Grand Final, so. Cotton jerseys for mine. I'd love to see oh. a round of cotton jerseys. You know, you the big, stole stole. <laughs> yeah. yeah, cotton jerseys with, with, sh- white, with big collars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big baggy things that just, you know, absorbed all the sweat like a sponge. Mm. Well, if you're going to go on, if you're going to go on materials for a minute, um, Reg, you'll remember this. I don't know, Hugh, if you've ever played with a, a leather rugby ball. Do you remember those, the, the proper old leather rugby balls um, that used to, you know, people, someone used to have to shine them, and <laughs> when it when it rained, they turned into bricks, yeah. absolute bricks. They were slippery as hell. You couldn't um, you couldn't catch them, and they just they just kept getting bigger and rounder. They they kind of looked like you know like turn of the century uh, foot uh, soccer balls by the end. Um, yeah, 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 exactly right. I, I remember used to have to get the old nugget out to do my school shoes, but then also polishing up the old Ballymore, leather Ballymore as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, well the, one, the one thing I'll say then, Reg, if you've taken you've taken mine, I'll say kicking with sand. Oh. I'd like to see that come back. The old someone come out with a bucket full of sand and have to construct a sort of uh, a tea, a tea, you know, in the time it takes to kick a goal. I think that's something I'd like to see back. Yeah. Oh, brilliant! That's fancy. What happened? Just the heel and the dirt. You know, <laughs> ruck it up a bit, stick it on top, give it a toe poke. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's great. Great memories. Let's uh, let's see if anything comes back then. We're going to oh, we've got to get in there five questions, but Matt, we're going to change things up. We want to. Uh, we've had a few good reviews, and we've uncovered a few reviews we weren't quite aware of. 
Yeah, well, look, you only see the international reviews if you change, you know, the country on iTunes. So we had to do that, and we discovered like a whole little swagful. So I thought we should probably mention a few people who've gone to the trouble of actually giving us a review from the other side of the world. These are we're, we're going to start. This is this is the Rolly family that are that are in the US. <laughs> this is the, the well, UK that- clan are coming online. Uh, <laughs> well, it, I didn't realise. He's one of the relatives here that can write reviews. They've all maxed out their iTunes account, so now we'd have to go overseas. Well, this is from Great Uncle Boomer Rolly in, uh, in America. <laughs> uh, no, no. So this is from USA Rugby Fan Lee. Great stuff, guys, from a Yank who spent enough time in Sydney to go from loving to hating the Tars. See, that's a good comment. So that's, so that's a weekend. Um, like a good season under Chris Hickey would do that Um, great job bringing a fairly objective viewpoint to the world of Aussie rugby even if you do seem to think that Steve Hansen is the root of all evil in the world well he is Um, keep up the good work guys I'll keep listening and watching from the other side of the globe so that's um, from Americans then we've got some sitting here from the UK as well so um, upside down rugby fix by seventh shot at a free nickname whatever that means huge fan of the rugby of the of the podcast, uh, despite being a filthy pom, uh, great insight discussions and hairstyle fifteens keep it up, um, and then another one um, insight for poms insightful grassroots window into Aussie rugby, and then so that's from around the world. Bringing it back close to the home, we had to say this one because this one's an enigma. Um, the the name of the review is Yeah Nah Yeah, and it's by Gotzi, and I only just a few days ago. And here it goes. It's one of the hottest acts to come out of the Sydney pub scene since Cold Chisel. Thematically a little obscure at times, but still very thought-provoking and sonically appealing. Although not quite mainstream, there's better indie rugby podcasts out there. They're more underground, though. I doubt you've heard of them. So a a bit of a twist in the tail there. Um, But that probably leads me to my next next announcement because – it might be that Gotzi is referring to a mega merger of podcasts that's going to be happening here on Green and Gold Rugby. Are you okay for me to mention this now, Rich? Yeah, let's do it, Matt. Um, so when I say a mega merger, this show is going to be the same as it's always been. You will get an hour of us uh, coming in your ears whenever you download it, usually on a late Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, or if you're listening on Eon Sports Radio, I think it's a Wednesday nights at the moment. Um, so you'll still get that. You'll get the five burning questions. You'll get us basically wanging on about whatever we feel like. But then on a Sunday night, so I don't know if you've come across these guys yet, it's the Rugby Podcast, three guys, James, Blake, and Richard, who have a look um, fresh at the weekend and they get into the real detail of each match so they'll run you through if it's super rugby they'll go through that if it's the test they'll go through that the nrc they're going to be getting stuck into so they record that on a sunday night and it's usually out ready either on a sunday night or a monday morning so you don't have to wait those couple of days until we get fired up if you want to get your dose on a monday morning of um of rugby so they're going to be doing what we're going to probably call the wrap and like i say you don't need to do anything it'll if you if you're a podcast subscriber it will just plop into your feed all you need to do is just if you want to listen to it if you decide actually that's not your go and you want to stay with us you'll get us as well it'll come through on a tuesday night or a wednesday morning um so there you go so basically more rugby for your ears um it can only be a bonus i would have thought brilliant stuff this this whole world domination plan is slowly taking shape it is one podcast at a time Matt. excellent that's great to hear um and look, I should let's throw it out to our Eon Sports Radio listeners. If you're new to the show and you've just discovered us on this uh, great new uh, digital uh, radio channel, uh, drop us a line, a, a tweet at, at GAGR or on Facebook or on our uh, our forum there at greetinggoldrugby.com. We'd love to hear from you. But let's get stuck into it, guys. We've uh, prolonged long enough. Let's get on to uh, our five burning questions because there's a lot of rugby going on, or a lot to talk about despite we're at, uh, at the finals time of Super Rugby. So first question's got to be, once again, I'll run through these and we'll come back in detail. The first one is, given the, uh, the makeup of the grand final of the Super Rugby this weekend, should we all have egg on our faces? Are we wiping egg off our faces? And we'll talk a bit more about that in a second. The Wallaby squad, a 36-man Wallaby squad for the Rugby Championship has been announced. What's the biggest surprise in that squad? The uh, Rio Olympics opening ceremony, I think it's Saturday morning. Who's going to win gold in the uh, sevens titles there, championships there? The women's kick off first before the men's take off uh, a couple of days later. Uh, question four. So we talked last week about Nick Styles getting the Reds job. Is this part of the AAU 
taking a leaf out of the New Zealand Rugby Union's uh, handbook of controlling all coach pathways in Australian rugby, or is it just a jobs for the boys? We'll, we'll delve into that a little more deeper. And finally, there's a lot happening in, with uh, French clubs uh, players. Co- Ashley Cooper and Kepu coming back, Liam Gill and the likes going uh, over. Should we be feeling sorry about these French clubs? There's a little bit happening there with the managers and availability and so on. And again, we'll delve into that a little bit further. But coming back to this first question, so this weekend, the number one ranked Hurricanes team hosts the number two ranked Lions team from South Africa over there in uh, in New Zealand Saturday afternoon for what should be a sensational Super Rugby Grand Final. This conference system has copped a lot of flack from us over recent, recent months, saying it's unfair and unbalanced. In the end, the number one and two team are facing off in the Grand Final. Quite, quite realistically, the best two teams in the competition, regardless of stats, should we be uh, eating a bit of humble pie here, Matt, or is there, was our uh, uh, our complaints justified? Oh, of course, you know, justified in the moment, mate. That's that's you know, no doubt. Um, look, I, I'm very happy to see the Lions there. Uh, I think that's great. I think they've played some great rugby, and I think they've shown over the last few weekends that they can step up when they need to. Um, and look, the Canes, why not? Uh, does that justify the whole system, though? I, I don't think so. Um, I think, you know, we saw the Stormers uh, who got absolutely smashed. Um, I thought we saw a whole bunch of other sort of South African teams that were kind of – who potentially were in the in the frame who really shouldn't have been there. So, look, I, I, I'm i still not sold on the, on the whole conference thing. If if, the, if you judge it by who are the last two people in the frame, though, um, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll lick a bit of egg yolk off my face. What about you, Hugh? Is this uh, justification for the whole system, or or just uh, you know a, a, a lucky result that sort of serves the uh, serves the journey? No, look, I, I think it's it's the right result. It, it is somewhat of a justification of the system. Um, I don't I don't think it 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 glosses over the arguments and the reasons for some unfairness along the way. But I mean, the thing about Super Rugby is is as much as there's, there's been some trials and tribulations and the conference system had its flaws and the, and the last system and the system before that, it tends to shake out the right result. And that's what you see in America as well, where they have some often lopsided conference systems in NBA, NFL, um, baseball as well. But more often than not, the right team gets – the right two teams get to the final. The best two teams get to the final because once you start playing knockouts and that's when you separate the wheat from the chaff and, 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 and the you know the good teams stand up and be counted to try and fit as many confused, confusing metaphors into one sentence as possible there. But <laughs> and that's, that's the way it is. And, and I don't think um, it, it uh, changes the fact that the conference system isn't perfect. Um, and there are some flaws there, and, and some teams got some easier runs than they should have um, to get to the first and even second week of the finals. But you, you can't argue that these two teams haven't been the standouts for the year so far, and 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 it sets it up that the best team's going to win the comp again. And I think looking back, certainly in the past five to seven years, I couldn't tell you a year where the best team overall in the year didn't win the competition. So that's that's something in the, in favour of Sansa and what they've been doing. Perhaps 2014, but well, let's not dwell on that. Um, the, <laughs> look, I, I'm with you guys. Look, I think there is, with, without any doubt, this will be a, an epic grand final, and we will talk about that in a second. But by no means does it justify the the, uh, the tedium that we had to deal with during the season. And any competition should build interest through that competition and culminate in that final. And while we've got these two great teams in the finals, did you guys see the crowds to these semi-finals on the weekend and before that the quarterfinals or the, the, the qualifying finals? The interest is just not there. Even in South Africa, even in New Zealand for these finals, this competition has done nothing to capture the imagination of the rugby-loving public in these two rugby heartlands of, Australia, of New Zealand and South Africa, putting aside Australia because we weren't competing on it. But the mm. interest is not there. I'll be fascinated to see what's happening over in, what happens in New Zealand this weekend to see what sort of crowd they get, whether there's any chance of a sellout. Well, they had these same issues last year at the Cape Town and Wellington. They they had a you know a, a, a bump a year. They were on top of the table as they have been this year, but um, still couldn't get a crowd to the Cape Town. And it's not a great place to watch rugby. Um, I, I have been there, as has Matt. But um, the you know it, it's the oval shape. It's not it's not great. But for whatever reason, across the board in New Zealand, with the exception maybe of down in um, down in Dunedin, they they've really struggled to get crowds to Super Rugby. Always have. 
Maybe it's you know the quality is there for New Zealand for five teams, but maybe the uh, the, the sustainability of resources outside of um, just on-field talent just isn't sustainable for five teams. But it's who are we to say that New Zealand don't can't have a fifth team? Um, let's yeah. look at the game I mean, itself it's, it's, then, Matt. Yeah. yeah, go on. No, I was just going to say, I mean, it's the reality of Super Rugby though now is that it's not driven by attendance; it's driven by TV. Um, and so you know, everyone's just beholden to whoever can get those TV dollars. Um, and that's what's kind of driving the whole power play throughout the whole thing now. So um, that, that's where we're stuck. But look, you're, I think you're going to move us on to uh, stop whinging and maybe talk about the matches, which I mean, I was yeah, too cracking. Yeah. I mean, um, look, I, I thought yet again, this, the Lions, just fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. So what did they, was 42-30? Yeah. Um, against yep. the Highlanders, and it was a bit of a, a late comeback by the Highlanders, to be honest. Um, exactly. And I, I, the, I just the Lions just looked fantastic. Six tries, I think it was. Um, Elton Yancey's was just looked superb, and uh, they've got pace to burn and power to burn throughout that back line. Just Lions going from strength to strength. I guess the only question is, is how much will they be ruining sending that second team to um, Argentina? Yeah, that's a really big good point. So you know, they they took a. a Rested a lot of players for the last game against a, a team that most teams had covered pretty easily. And if they'd got the win, they would have finished on top of the log, which would have meant they would be hosting the final this weekend. But at the same time, I guess you've you got to give them perhaps the benefit of the doubt and, and sort of suggest that the coach knew what they were doing. He was the one who knew how fatigued the players were, um, who might have needed a rest, and maybe it's that freshening up that has got them over the line against these two pretty high-quality uh, New Zealand teams they have had to play uh, of late. Um, yeah, but but you, yeah. I mean you balance that out though against you know pulling somebody to Joburg to um, altitude and yep. you know you just you could see in the in the um, in the Highlanders for example they just their legs just fell away um, yeah. you know and so that would be just such an advantage as well as any home crowd that you can muster up as well as maybe we, they wouldn't be being you know refereed by a kiwi ref yep. <laughs> um so all those things together i would have if he had his druthers but i guess he rolled the dice and he would have been planning for success um mm. i can only assume but there you go and uh, a few of those players there mate you talk about on janchis but your man the 12 uh Jans van rensburg was uh, pretty spectacular again yeah, he just he keeps playing out of his skin. Um, yeah, the, the, the bit of scuttlebutt I hear is that he and a few of other these guys, because they're sort of um, Afrikaners, I think there's going to be yeah, – they're finding it a little bit hard to kind of break into some of the quota worlds. Um, so mm. it's going to be interesting to see how much Springbok time they get. But he's just been an absolute standout, hasn't he? He's, you know, it's like he's been on angel dust or something, the way he runs through tackles. Um, by the way, that's not an accusation, Hugh. It's just a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, they've just been playing absolutely brilliantly. And their pack works so hard. I, they really are my favourites for this, but I, I think they're going to be uphill. Yeah, so tough game. The Hurricanes getting over the Chiefs. And in what was a really impressive controlled performance uh, there um, against, uh, you know, a, a very good Chiefs outfit. They, they really controlled the game and, you know, almost in... Um, had it in the bag quite early. So they'll host this week versus the Lions, which will be... Um, which is a... a gr- yeah, a, a great boost for them. Hugh, your thoughts on these semis and how they panned out? I, I watched the Kiwi one mainly because as a keen student of Aussie rugby, I was there to cheer on Angus Gardner, a man in the middle, who I thought did a stellar <laughs> job and was my man of the match in that performance, actually. Um, but, um, yeah, look, Hurricanes and, and that Bowden Barrett performance was great too. I mean, he, uh, he I mean, if, if he learned to kick, he'd be unstoppable. But... Um, his pace, you know, that speed and his ability to to create and and um, and, and it was a solid forward effort as well. I, I mean, the um, Hurricanes are, are a pretty outstanding side, and I expect them to to win. Although I think the Lions stand a, ch- a much better chance than most travelling sides to what's to to New Zealand. They beat the Chiefs earlier this year, and. Um, in New Zealand, and, and um, I reckon they'll give it a real hot crack. They're certainly not going to die wondering. I saw parts of that Highlanders game, not the full thing, but um, you know, you did write about their playing style. There's a lot of Reds um, 
2011 task 2014 to it that endeavor that that you know real willingness to attack from from all around the field and and it's going to be one of the be- best super rugby grand finals because both sides play that incredible style and glenn jackson's a referee that let it, lets it all flow so uh, i think it'll be um yeah it's it's certainly not going to be a boring one that's for sure Odin Barrett, Elton Janchis, two of the greatest names in uh, in rugby, literally as just names, but as players <laughs> too. It'll be a fantastic face-off there. A great game. So, Hugh, give me a tip. Who do you think, mate? Oh, look, I'll tip the Hurricanes. I think it's a redemption year for them after what happened last year with the disappointment of being edged out at the post. Um, and I, I think they'll probably get there um, comfortably in the end by maybe 12 to 15 points the Lions might flag in the last 15. Matt, you're sticking with the Lions. Well, look, you know, you know, Hugh's just tipping with uh, rationality and common sense and what's probably going to happen. But I'm going to go with the Lions um, on this to, you know, absolutely go ape. They've won over there. They beat the Chiefs um, in New Zealand this year. So I think they'll be going across there thinking, look, it's all possible um, and, and, and to give that a shake. So, yeah, I'm going to tip with the heart. I'm going to say the Lions in like a historic, you know, like two-point win. That'd be yeah. an all-time. It'd be an all-time Super Rugby upset. It would be the greatest Super Rugby upset of all time. Yeah. Now, now I think about it. I couldn't remember anything bigger than a South, a South African team going and and um and winning in New Zealand in a final. I mean, that would be incredible. Absolutely. And and you mean two points, and it'll be the score will be something like forty to thirty-eight, won't it, matter? It'll be this will be a high score. You would have thought. Yeah. Yeah. And Yanchi's knocking over the drop goal and using his superior, uh, you know, sweet lid. Um, to get over the top of Bowden Barrett, who, if only he kept his uh, mullet, you know, probably could have guided them home. So that's, yeah, that's what I'm going for. All right. Should be a great encounter Saturday afternoon, uh, uh, Australian time, about 5.35 kickoff, I think it is. All right, question number two is uh, the Wallabies named their 36-man squad. I, I think by the time this comes out, that might be refined somewhat. But uh, 36 men in this Wallaby squad, any big surprises? What's the biggest surprise from your perspective, Hugh? Um, mine's the inclusion of Lepetti Tamani. Uh, I think that was a bit of a left field one after he wasn't really included in any of the uh, stu- in any of the squads for the England series. I didn't think his form after the England series was particularly notable. Um, I-, I think he's a good player. I've, I've always been a fan of Lepetti and, and certainly um, has been pretty solid for the last two years for the Rebels. In a you know as a lock, we're in a position we don't have a huge amount of depth and that sort of um, physicality. So that that was one I was surprised to see, especially at the expense of Sam Carter, who Checker has you know chosen to start in the England series and has had around squads in the past, and that was a really interesting omission, I thought. Yeah, I'll I'll take one on too, oh, Matt. Uh, let's go to you next, mate. Before I jump in with mine, any omissions or uh, selections that surprised you in particular? Well, I mean, just maybe you guys can clarify for me first. But Christian Leliofano, is there a reason he's out other than form? I think that one's just form. I was surprised. The ones, the two that grabbed me straight away were Liliofano and Arnold, and I, I soon mm. was informed that Arnold is injured. Um, but Liliofano, I think, fit. I mean, so, considering how you know, just in the, you know, in that Pommy series, we were like, you know, hanging on him turning up with five minutes to spare into the into the squad, um, you know, ahead of Test match one, and now he's not even making the squad. Um, yeah. I think that, well, I suppose he's, got, he's yeah. got Gitto and Gitto, Tamua and Cooper now come in over the top since that start of the England series. So I suppose that's that. You know, they're three blokes that that all of a sudden make staying in a wider squad starting to be a bit difficult. I suppose, and that's the same thing about um, a few of the other emissions with you know Sam Carter with as I said before with with Kane Douglas coming back and um, yeah, there's there's over the, that foreign influx has has changed the balance of things a little bit. I think. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm interested by the the foreign influence too, and and James Hall was the name that surprises me only because he was flown out and spent the whole Test series here. And again, I don't believe in these selections. But of the guys that have come back, are Quaid, Genia, Guido, and Mitchell. I think that's the only ones that have, and Ashley Cooper, I guess, um, are the only ones 
that have come back. I don't think anyone, maybe Ashley Cooper, but I don't think any of them have been in particularly good form. Genny has barely played because of injury. Um, we know Cooper had his issues over there in, in Toulon. Um, uh, Giddo, I think, has only played minutes since his return. I don't think Drew's anywhere near the same form. I think Ashley Cooper was pretty solid. So I'm really surprised there. Of anyone, Horwell was the one who was in particularly good form for the Harlequins, and we talked about that. So I don't understand that. There might be other elements involved there. Um, so that's a standout. But mine's similar to you, Hugh. We've got a couple of rookies there who haven't played tests. Alan Alatoa, who, who you know, trained with them previously. Reese Hodge, who I think we're all big fans of, and I'd, I'd love to see him get a go. But Tom Robinson, the young tight head from the Waratahs as well, who's, this is, I think this is his debut year. If, if, if he played previously, he was only off the bench a couple of times. But um, a, a huge opportunity for him, given uh, a bit of depth issues around the tight head prop position for Australian rugby. So good stuff, Tom. Fantastic. Yeah. He's he's the story of the year for, for certainly for Waratahs. Come yeah, relatively out of left field. hadn't hadn't um, really been um, spoken about as a, a future superstar, and and is and has been really good for the Waratahs. And and I dare say might get a run in the Wallaby for the Wallabies at some point off the bench because um, you know he he is a really good player. I watched him play for Sydney University on. On Saturday in the, in the club rugby semis, which we'll talk about a bit later, but um, he he just looked he he looked like a swan amongst ducks as a tight head prop. He he was a clear standout around the field and at scrum time. So um, he's in the in the space of a year, he's come he's come an enormous way. Yeah. Can I just say that he and Hodge, and I'm going to blow the trumpet of the NRC too, is because these guys made their names. I mean, they, you know, they came through systems and so on, but it was on the back of their seasons in NRC that gave them the, I guess, whether them the confidence or the coaches' confidence them in, in, in upping their ante from a squad selection. I did the numbers the other day. There's been 45 guys that have made their Super Rugby debut on the back of the NRC, which is astronomical. And we could have two or three here in um, Hodge, uh, uh, Robinson, and um, oh, maybe it's just the two of them who could be Wallaby debutants who've you know come through the, the NRC system. So sensational stuff. Um. All right, guys, we're going to move from the Wallabies uh, and what's happening over here. They're training down in Sydney, about to move to Gosford. We're going to move all the way over to Rio because the teams have arrived. The opening ceremony starts on Saturday morning um, and uh, the men's and women's sevens tournament. So the uh, women's kick off first on Sunday morning. So about midnight that night, Australia's first game is actually at 2.30 in the morning. Um, the women's and the gold medal women's game is on Tuesday morning or at 8 a.m., and the men's will kick off on Wednesday with the gold medal game on Friday morning at about 8 a.m. So we're going to start and have a look at this. And I guess uh, the first question, let's look at the women's first. Who's going to win? Um, and uh, we'll take it from there. Hugh, this is should be pretty simple. We're, we're favourites entering this tournament. We're favourites, but but Rugby Sevens is a, is a um, pretty... Um it's a hard game to pick sometimes, and and I'd, we're by no means lay down Mazares. You're looking at looking at the odds. You know we're a dollar seventy in New Zealand at two dollars fifty, um, to Canada at eight and Great Britain at ten. So, the, you know, there's it's clearly a, a two horse race for the gold. You would think with it between Australia and New Zealand, I'd be surprised if one of those two don't get there. But um, you know, watching a few of our later tournaments, we certainly won, I think, three of the World Series events, but um, certainly we've got beaten by New Zealand and got beaten by Great Britain, um, and I think the USA at one point as well. Um, so there's a lot of talent in that women's rugby sevens across the competition. I, I think we'd like to certainly get to the gold medal game, and, and I'll tip Australia because they have been the most outstanding team across the balance of the World Series, and and uh, probably have a little bit too much uh, skill across the field for, for New Zealand and and for Canada and Great Britain. But um, look, I, I'm I'm not quite as bullish as as other as other commentators are, just because I've seen, you know we've all seen it how how sevens can just throw up those results and the bounce of the ball can you know is against you and you let in a few quick tries and and, and that's the game. So um, yeah, uh, tip Australia, but um, I'm, I'm not 100 percent confident that that, that we uh- can do it. I'll be the bullish one, and I'll tip Australia for gold here. I'll go all the way for the Aussies' gold. I think they're far too good and will have been, despite the form they've shown this season, they're, they're peaking for Rio, so they're all ready for it. Matt, uh, we've got a couple of Sevens articles probably due in the, on the Green and Gold Rugby site in the next couple of days. Um, yep. What's your expectations for uh, the women's schedule? Women's yeah, schedule. I mean, yeah, that's the one you've got to be confident about, isn't it? And I think, actually, it's the one that's clearer than what's going to happen in the men's. So, yeah, I'm... Mm. I'm 
I'm with you there, Reg. I know it's exactly what Hugh's saying is that anyone yeah. in sevens can do it. And, you know, we've lost to some of these teams. But, yeah, if anyone's head and shoulders, I think the girls are at the moment. And uh, I should say the women's team are at the moment. And hopefully they can do it. All right. So that's, like I said, that'll be on the final. Australia's got two games on early Sunday morning. Uh, the Australia versus Fiji game, about 7.30am in the morning. It's nice and reasonable time for people to get up and watch it. And then again on a Monday morning with the uh, the gold medal game being 8 o'clock on Tuesday the 9th of August, 8 o'clock in the morning. So good timing for those. Uh, just delay that trip to work perhaps that day. The men's tournament starts on Wednesday. So this is absolutely tougher. Uh, no way uh, are Australia um, a definite medal chance in this one. Matt, any particular strong points? Who do you think will take this out? Well, look, this is one where there's, you know, there is a clear kind of top tier, um, and that's you know Fiji, South Africa, and New Zealand. And like Hugh was, if you look at the betting, you know they all hovering around about the sort of the three dollar mark. Um, the Fiji maybe slightly ahead, which you would you think they would be just the way they've been playing this year. And then there's a tier two, uh, which you know the Aussies are are in. So and they're together probably next to the, to Great Britain around about the thirteen dollar mark. I feel like that's a little bit harsh on us. Like I think we should probably mm. be a little. A little bit closer than that, um, and I think we're definitely in, definitely in with a shout for a medal, um, which we've been kind of consistently doing throughout, um, you know, the season is kind of getting in those, you know, getting into those top those higher spots where you're content, you know, contending for like a third, fourth type place. But it's going to be really hard to, um, you know, to knock, you know, those teams one or two more of those teams out: Fiji, South Africa, New Zealand. They've really been on their game, so. We're really going to be up against it, and I think it's going to be us being a disruptor rather than you know potentially being disrupted like like the women would be. Yeah, we, we haven't had a lot of success this season over Fiji, South Africa, New Zealand, and we're going to have to beat, you'd suggest, at least two of those to get the gold medal. So massive challenge. Uh, Hugh, who do you think will take out the gold? Um, I'll tip New Zealand. I think, consi- I think they're probably slightly more consistent than Fiji. Fiji can, can sort of go off the boil, and I just wonder if they're carrying the weight of their country, and it might just weigh them down a little bit in those final stages um, of, of the tournament. I certainly think they'll be at, at the business end, but I just wonder if New Zealand might have a little bit more when it counts. That's based on not, not much at all, just a gut feel. Australia, all I think right. we've, got to, we've got to be a bit lucky, as Matt said. We've got to have results go our way and have one of the big guns get tipped out early. Um, and, and maybe try and get if we can line up a semi against South Africa, I think we have a chance against them more than we do the other two big countries. And then who knows what happens once you get in the final? But um, yeah, I think silver is probably our best bet. All right, follow up question from your, your tip of New Zealand. So once New Zealand win the gold medal, when and where does um, Sonny Bill Williams give away his gold medal? Is it straight after the medal ceremony to just the closest kid, or does he visit the slums of Rio there and give it away to someone there? What's going to happen? Yeah, I think. <laughs> I think it's got to be a starving child at some point on a, on a street corner. Um, I, I think, yeah, he's, he'll be a bit more strategic about it this time. And, and, and I'll also call he'll be presented with his um, substitute gold medal at the closing ceremony um, on a podium as the whole world stands to cheer uh, the, marvellous, um, uh, the marvellous sportsmanship of, of Mr. Sonny B. Williams. Uh, I think in, in front of a thousand cameras. Yeah, <laughs> accidentally. I was, I was just about to say maybe you could organise giving it away inside a TV studio. Just make it <laughs> a little bit more convenient for everybody um, to do that, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, good stuff. Look, my tip, I'm, I, I, think, uh, I think Fiji will take this out. And, and what a thrill. I think that'll be Fiji, the country's first ever Olympic medal, or at least definitely first ever Olympic gold medal. So um, I think they'll just be primed for this, and I, I can't wait to see them in action. Um, I do love – yeah, go on, mate. But do you think they can do it without the Hain plane? Uh, you know, come on, they're missing their strike weapon. Yeah, I think um, I think him coming in has just sort of set that level of example that they've all lifted to uh, to provide. And there's no doubt they'll be doing it for Jared. You'll hear the cries across Rio of <laughs> "Do it for Jared, do it for Jared." So um, as as Jared writes another um, a, a check for uh, his, uh, you know contract in Toulon, which is the latest rumour. He's heading over to France again, so we'll see how that develops. But I was going to say, I love um, Andy Friend, uh, friend of the show, friend of Green and Gold Rugby, Andy Friend's preparations with the Australian men's team uh, when they're in back here in Australia for their tournament. I think they played a series against Japan, but he caught them off guard. He cancelled buses. He um, 
made them sleep in a camp uh, caravan site, just wanted to mix things up and get them ready for the unexpected, which I think we've already seen some of the reports come in for Rio. Um, they can keep expecting the unexpected. So <laughs> let's see if that gives them any boost through the tournament. Matt, we should say we talked about Sonny Bill there, and he's also been picked in the uh, all-black Bledisloe Cups or the Rugby Championship squad. Uh, makes for an enticing Bledisloe Cup series coming up. But something else that's going to make for an enticing Bledisloe Cup series is uh, some quality beer. Yeah, exactly. So our mates at thecraftbeermarket.com.au have put together three mix cases. So there's the tight five, there's the forward pack, and then there's the back line. And in each of those mix cases, uh, they've put together an Aussie selection, so an Aussie type five to put up against a Kiwi type five of mixed craft beers. Um, and the good news there is that if you go to thecraftbeermarket.com.au, find either one of these three mix cases that I just mentioned, and on checkout put in GAGR20, you get 20 bucks off. And that's 20 bucks off each of those three mixed cases, however many that you want to order. So go and have a beer on us and um, get stuck in. You'll find those details on the site. We've got ads on the site and everything else. I'll probably put something in the sidebar. But, yeah, thecraftbeermarket.com.au. Go there and uh, have a free lobster on us. Excellent. All right, good stuff. Thanks for the craft beer guys supporting the uh, the podcast, the show. Look, the next burning question is, uh, we talked, touched this last week. So Nick Styles has been appointed the Reds coach. AAU was a part of that panel. We're still waiting to see what's going to happen with the force and their coach um, with the AAU, again, part of that panel. But do you think the AAU is now copying the New Zealand, uh, New Zealand rugby's master plan for coaching? So um, if you believe the stories, there seems to be some sort of constant master plan as to the development of coaches in New Zealand. Who coaches the under-20s? Who coaches the super rugby teams and their assistant coaches? And who assistant coaches the All Blacks? It's all sort of some strategic plan for coach development. Is the Styles appointment an indication that perhaps Australian rugby is following the same path. Matt, where's your feeling on this one? Well, yeah, I mean, where this came from was there was a, there was a story during the week, I think it was from Georgina Robinson um, yep. in, the, in the SMH, and she was talking about the guy who's about to take over at the Crusaders from Todd Blackadder. I want to say, is his last name Robinson as well? Yeah, uh, Scott Robinson. Yep. Yeah, Scott Robinson. Razor, Razor Robinson. Yeah. Well, anyway, and, and the story goes that like eight years ago or so, he was um, offered some big money to go overseas. I think it was France to coach. Um, and the uh, NZRFU turned around and said, tapped him on the shoulder and said, no, 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 mate, you're, you know, in X years' time, you will be coaching the Crusaders, so just stick in New Zealand. Um, and he did so, and there you go. And that they've actually also mapped out then what would ha- happen after he coached the, New- the Crusaders and, you know, him working towards an all-black post. So it's off the back of that. And that that whole article was saying that, you know, the Australian Rugby Union is now doing a similar thing, that it wasn't just Queensland uh, board that was involved in choosing um, the coach um, and that actually the ARU had some hands in that as well. And I've got to say on one hand, so I quite like the idea that it's uh, theoretically that there's some sort of stability in this um, and that selection will take place. It won't just be, for example, that you know one national coach has just been knifed by the player group and the other one um, lobs in like we had the last time around. Um, but you know, on one hand, I kind of like that. But on the other hand, I'm not sure then uh, that what we see, which is so, I know Nick Styles is a mate of yours, um, Reg, and yeah, he, he's been he's been clearly doing some great stuff with the Queensland Scrum. But I think, as we talked about on a, a podcast or so ago, I'm just not sure he's got that pedigree as yet that you'd say, right, so he takes the Queensland job, um, writes that whole ship, and has got the pedigree, having you know, had some big coaching jobs to be able to do that, and then is in this position then to skip on up into, say, the Wallabies or something like that. Because the other one that's ringing on the alarm bells for me is the idea that Stephen Larkham has now done enough, maybe at the Brumbies, that he can then move on to the ARU. And I think the, the rumour going around is that he's there slated then to step into check shoes when he moves on. Um, and my, my concern there is you, there's yet another person who hasn't done a big job overseas. And, you know, what we've seen is the guys who can do these things like Link, like Sheck, like um, uh, the Safa. Jake White. Uh, Jake, Jake White. They're all guys who've done big, big jobs before going back into sort of like an international role. And I'm, so my concern here, though, is, you know, this idea of is this really master plan or is this like a convenient excuse for why – Nick Styles, who was the assistant coach at the Reds, should stay there, and that actually it's still feeling a little bit jobs for the boys because I've I've got a slight concern over that that the scope isn't big enough. 
Well, it's interesting. Well, that New Zealand example is definitely jobs for the boys, and, and but you know they, they've got the system to support it. I guess there's two appointments which I think which will dictate whether this really is part of some broader system, and it's not Larkham to the Wallaby job, which I've heard as well. But it's it's what's going to happen over the force, um, but mm. it's also what would happen with that Australia under twenties team, which New Zealand rugby uses as a stepping stone. Scott Robinson, the former All Black um, back rower. Uh, coached the has coached the New Zealand under twenties I think for the last three years or so, so it's definitely a development pathway. The Wallabies or the AAU have used Adrian Thompson, who's an employee of New Zealand rugby, oh, sorry of Australian rugby, um, as coach for the Aussie under twenties with you know not tremendous success, but I think we all recognise there's a bit of a gap there. So the interesting thing would be there. I mean that's where you'd want. You know it's hard to know where these sort of rank, but you know should Larkham or Styles be doing that job? For a couple of years um, uh, to to showcase their wares before stepping up into the Super Rugby role or, or whatnot. Hugh, do you think this is part of a master plan from Australian rugby or, or just a just a one off excuse? Oh well, look, it certainly sounds like they're taking a more um, strategic approach to the whole issue, and I think that's to be applauded. And the key from that article, Matt, that you were talking about, the other key that I I, I found was the um, that they're looking to appoint a national coaching development manager. Yeah. Um, which, which I can't see as, as anything but a positive because, we, you know, as we've been banging on about for the last month or so, that it just appears like the coaching pathways aren't well developed in this country. And, and so having someone to oversee that is, is, is a big, big win for us, I think. Um, by us, I mean the podcast because, again, it shows that Australian rugby marches to the beat of our drum and that's what we're about here. <laughs> but, um, the, the, but what you say is also right, Matt, in the sense that, you, you've got to spit out the right answer at the end of the day, and and, and styles and there's been a few examples where it doesn't work, and that Stephen Larkham thing worries me as well, um, because you know he hasn't really shown a huge amount at super level for me, and it, you know the Wallabies are still yet to be determined if he's really extracting the best out of our backline. So, look, I, I don't know. Time will tell him. There's a long way to go before Michael Checker steps away. I think he signed a contract until 2038. Um, so um, we, we've got a while. But um, anything that, you know, it's good. At, and, and matters again, as we said a few weeks ago, you know, to go and, and look at what New Zealand are doing and, and see that as best practice and implemented here. There's a few things that need to be ironed out from that, but it's good to see that at least that they have been doing that and 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 are making changes. And so, you know, let, let, let's see how it goes. But um, I can only hope that this coaching development manager, my one hope, and of course, Bill Pulver's listening to this because, you know, the last few weeks have made it plainly evident that he does, but the... Let's get that national coaching development manager down to your under sevens, down to your under eights, down to your local clubs, and making sure that that skills, uh, the coaching, you know, from the under under sevens right up to the uh, Wallabies, is 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 the same quality of or or of very good quality of world leading quality, and that that's something that can help our rugby going forward. Yeah, that'll be a fascinating appointment as to who exactly that would be, but uh, I guess we'll find out uh, soon enough. Well, um, yeah. What, yeah, go on, Matt. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, that needs to not just be, you know, there you go, mate, there's an office and a clipboard, go have a chat to some people. I mean, that needs a serious budget, right? So, you know, you were talking about this the other day about, you know, how the Poms, you know, injected, you know, 2,000 grade two coaches uh, with some of the proceeds of, you know, what what they've taken out of the World Cup. Um, You know, they're doing some serious stuff there. So, and that's what this guy should be able to or lady, whoever happens to get the job, um, you know, should that, that's the sort of scope they need to have. And, you know, the other good sign, like you were saying there, Hugh, is, you know, your Mick Byrne, theoretically, who we had to inject skills, uh, training and thinking, you know, throughout rugby, not just the Wallabies. So, you know, that's a good sign. But, you know, again, is, 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 is he just being given like a, a clipboard and, you know, like a, a, a travel pass? Or, you know, is there real is this really going to align with some resources that would really change things? Because like, I think that's going to be important. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree totally. And, and I, I can't answer that question. None of us can either way. But um, let, let's, let's, let's hope that they've, they're given some serious clout. 
All right, good stuff. Look, our final question is is simply, should we be feeling sorry for the French rugby clubs? There's a little bit been happening of late. Uh, firstly, the uh, the comic book guy who's the president of Toulon Rugby um, has uh, cried poor about uh, or cried ignorant as to um, the contracts he's signing with players. Liam Gill, for example, he assumed that Gill would be available straight after Super Rugby season to be over for the pre-season, whereas Gill's, I think, ARU contract finishes... Um, at the end of the year. So theoretically, you should be playing t- to the end of the year or available here. Then the latest is the Bordeaux president who has come out and said he's not happy with the ARU. First over, Adam Ashley Cooper, because uh, Ashley Cooper apparently um, confirmed that um, that he uh, had said that he wouldn't be playing for the Wallabies anymore. And here he is back in Australia. But more so over the whole Kepu deal, who, which was a multi-year contract, but now Kepu has turned his back on that and is back in Australia. And, uh, and no fuss was made by the club apparently or did they ask for compensation? But he suggested that the IRU were by no means graceful or grateful for the uh, for the turnaround. Matt, you know the the player managers play a pretty significant role in this too. But these French clubs should we be feeling sorry for them? Uh, no, mate. They're swimming in cash. Uh, and they're French, so very hard to feel sorry <laughs> for them. Um, but and look, it, it's all a game. They know what they're playing. You know they. No, there's that Article 9 or whatever it is that means that you know any international rugby player is going to be able to get out of their uh, contract or be given a leeway. They obviously try and give these guys two different contracts. You know, one that if you say that you're not going to play international rugby versus one that if you do, you know, all this sort of stuff. Um, so, no, you know, it's a game that's being played. Um, they're, they're looking to try and use it. And they saw Australian rugby players earlier on, you know, when there wasn't the Gitto clause as being soft marks and that, you know, they wouldn't be able to go back and play and, and now they're having a bit of a whinge about it. I mean, a, a couple of interesting things I thought came out, though. One was, you know, with the whole Gill, Holmes and Dennis thing where Czech was like, oh, it was the player agents who were doing a bad thing and hadn't told the players um, that they wouldn't be able to play Wallabies for the Wallabies or that they were going to be committed to their clubs in France. I just had to call, you know, call rubbish on that. Um, you know, I, these players must have known that. And I think they just have kind of said, look, you know, they need to start off on the right foot with these clubs. And you know, I think for all three of those players, maybe less so Holmes, they're probably going to be on the periphery anyway. So they've made their choice. They wanted to move on. The other one that I thought was interesting was the idea that Gitto is losing a six-figure sum. Um, and I'm pretty torn with the idea that Checker was saying that maybe the ARU should make up the difference between what he gets paid for playing for the Wallabies and what he would have got if he'd stayed at Toulon. I no, don't know how you, no, I don't know how you guys feel about that. Oh, that just horrifies me. I haven't seen that comment, and, but just that just horrifies me. Give that money to your, our new national coaching director. Mm. Yeah. I mean, look, the guy's going to get like 15 grand a game or whatever else it is um, to play for the Wallabies. I, I don't know the exact number. Um, you know, he makes his choice if he wants to play for the Wallabies, and he has. I, I don't exactly. think we should be making that up. And, you know, it might be a delta in what he's earning, but what he's earning is pretty damn good. Um, so I don't think we can really be doing it. sets a pretty dangerous precedent as well. Yeah. <laughs> Hugh, any thoughts here that this might just be a bit more Michael Cheeked mind games? Obviously, the French clubs in particular have got a, a bit of a power play at the moment with a lot of cash to play with, and they're signing players of all levels in Australia and New Zealand. Um, to the game. Is this, this a, a strategy for Chica to push back a bit and make them perhaps less appealing? Yeah, a little bit. I, I think there's there's um, some of that jockeying going on from Michael Checker for a few reasons, trying to discourage our players going over there and then trying to, you know, work, uh, uh, you know, some, some um, put, throw his weight around to try and get the players back and get them back on his schedule and not on their schedule. Um uh, and ultimately, I mean, money talks with this stuff and they're always going to have that cloud, as Matt said. So that's why I can't feel too sorry for them, especially how they've been pillaging the Pacific Islands as well. Um, yeah, no, no sympathy with the French clubs. There is going to be this tension going forward, though, every time with the 60-cap rule as it gets more and more, um, you know, I imagine more and more people going over and there's going to be um, a greater playing population over there. Guys like Kurtley Beal, you know, next year is going to be the one. And I think... The better they're playing over there, the, the more unwilling the French clubs are going to be to part with them. So I don't know how you think that the, some of them have come back pretty easily and others haven't. But, um, yeah, it's it's a pretty complex situation as we say player agents are involved and all of these wranglings around Article 9 and that sort of stuff. It's, it's pretty confusing. But, um, yeah, no sympathy with the French for me. 
So there you are, French clubs. C'est la vie. Excuse my French. But uh, that wraps up our five questions here. We do need a point to uh, club rugby this, this weekend in Sydney and Brisbane. Club rugby grand finals are happening. And it's uh, a build corp university domination in both areas. Uh, Matt, some good stuff happening in North Sydney with the old the uh, Shawman North Rugby Club taking on Sydney Uni at North Sydney Oval too. Yeah, that's right, mate. And it's 1975 was the last time that the Norths um, won the Premiership. So that's, Is that you know, right? Oh. Yeah, good old 41 years difference. Um, I'm going to be there with my young fella. It's I think it's 25 bucks for adults. All kids under 17 are free. There's loads of stuff they've got going on. Tar man, there's um, all sorts of activities. You can wander on at halftime and kick your footy around even. How's that? That's that's a good throwback if you want to talk about throwbacks from earlier on. So, yeah, so it's Norse versus the evil Sydney Uni. Um, come in and uh, I think get up there and have, have a good old watch. It should be good. And North Sydney uh, rugby uh, ground or the, the oval there is fantastic as well. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's um North have North's have been on a tear. I think that I think they've won something like nine or ten straight games. Eleven. Um, eleven, in fact. Yeah, and, mm. they, and they've got some, some some real talent across the park. But at the same time, they're you know they've got um, your man, Big Gussie Tarval, in the front row, um, <laughs> Matt. But uh, I think he's their only Waratah, or he's their only sort of rep player there. So it's it's a lot of um, sort of. Club, just clubbies and and, re, and good blokes as well. They've got the Sinclair brothers there. Will Miller, who's a who's a good breakaway, who won the Ken Catchpole medal. Ken Catchpole, yep. um, yeah, and, and and a few other good players as well. On on the uni side though, geez, they've been good this year, and I expect them to probably get the win, um, mainly because it's I think it's the last game of of one Tom Carter, um, oh. who's still still going around for university, and 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 I got to applaud him as as. You know, a servant of a servant of the game, and and that's what he's been to Sydney Uni, and you know, still playing a few years after he he stopped Super Rugby and still going around. But um, I'm not sure about the Wall- the Wallaby players if they're going to be playing your Tom Tom Robinson as I just mentioned. Um, and there's a, the one to watch. I think in the front row is a bloke called Falau Fienga, who's a hooker um, for Uni. Who has um, been playing a bit of Australian under twenties as well, and he he is a, he's one could be the next Tatafu Pilota now. I think or probably will be. So um, he's one to watch um, for anyone watching on seven two uh, around New South Wales. It'll be a great game. Good stuff. Then meanwhile, up here in Brisbane on Sunday afternoon, so the Sydney Rugby is Saturday afternoon. Then on Sunday afternoon is the grand final for the Queensland Premier Rugby, where brothers will be playing against the University of Queensland. So UQ uh, have only lost two games all season. Their first was their very first game, and they lost two weeks ago to brothers in the major semi-final. So this is a fantastic rematch from that. Brothers won that game 18-10. to 10. Uh, Uni went on to beat Sunnybank last week by two points and a high score. I think it was 40-38 to 38 or, or that ilk. Um, Uni have just got this great young gun team. They've got lots of great names. Uh, Jack Cornelson, son of Greg, and, and uh, Angus Scott Young, son of Sam. Um, Harry Parker, son of Tom, and, and then uh, Alex Horan, son of Tim. Alex will probably be off the bench. Um, but fantastic players. Uh, brothers themselves, uh, big Taniela Tupo, the Tongan Thor in the front row is one to watch. Um, and Mitch Felsman out in the wing, who's been sensational. I think he's scored uh, 20 tries this year in club rugby. So that'll be an epic one. Three o'clock, Ballymore on the hill. Uh, great sunshine. It'll be fantastic. That's uh, $15 for adults and free for kids under 15, but that'll also be live-streamed on the Reds Rugby website as well. So uh, club rugby at its finest in Sydney and Brisbane with the rest of the country, uh, their finals, I think, in the coming weeks as well. So plenty of rugby to get at as well as the Super Rugby final this weekend. So, lads, that'll wrap us up. Thanks for your time tonight, Matt. Beauty. Thanks for having yeah. me. Good, Good stuff. Thank you. Thanks, you. Thanks, thanks, Reg. Look, look for all of those ideas to be in an AAE document this this coming week, and we'll discuss it next week. Excellent. And once again, thanks to Bobus in the booth and to everyone for listening, and we'll speak to you next week. That is such class from Cherry. Cherry has sliced through.